hundreds of pages, thousands of words, millions of letters. Welcome to the Kanja Book Club. The price of admission? 50,000. Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Kanja Book Club, a weekly Utini podcast where we intentionally experience Star Wars books together with our incredible community just a few chapters at a time. I am your host, Timothy Guthrie, and I'm joined this week by the Anakin Stan himself, Adam Dyson. How you doing, friend? Good, mate. Happy to be here. Happy to finally start. Yes, and my friend on the East Coast who has had a very interesting day, Patrick McIntosh. Man, are you alive and well? Um, alive? Well, we'll just have to see. <laughs> to be determined. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we host this show live on Discord um, every Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, 6 a.m. for poor Adam over there in Australia. And this will also be on Patreon on Tuesdays. We are hoping to have that as our official release date from this point forward. So if you're joining us there, we're super excited to have you um, and hope that you'll consider checking us out on Saturdays live. We want to get you in the chat and uh, get you involved and maybe eventually, possibly, bring you on the show sometime. So since this is truly our first real episode, guys, I kind of want to do a, a walkthrough of who we are and what this show is going to look like. So Patrick, let, let's start off with you, man. Um, who are you? What do you do for you, Teeny? And how did you get into Star Wars? I am Patrick McIntosh. I'm on the East Coast. I'm new to you, Teeny, relatively. I've been into Star Wars since I was about seven years old, watching the prequels, growing up with them. And checking out like the books at my library when um I was in elementary school, we, me and my friends, we would trade them around and do all that, that sort of stuff. So I've always been into the expanded universe ever since I was an early elementary school kid. And the love for it has never left me. And I'm so grateful and happy to talk Star Wars with everybody and share, share the love of it. That's great, man. Well, I'm super glad to have you here. Adam, how about yourself? Alrighty, I'm Adam Dyson. I live in Australia. I've been up for about 20 minutes. It is quarter past <laughs> six here on the east coast of Australia. <laughs> but that's okay. still winter, right? <laughs> that is. It's very cold today. So that's what I have a heater for. Uh, for Star Wars, my first memory of Star Wars is watching Return of the Jedi. Uh, I had a single mum, so I was a bit of a handful. She just threw Return of the Jedi on, and away I went. So that's probably why I do like Anakin so much. The first time I saw Anakin wasn't Dark Times Anakin. It was Vader redeeming himself and saving his son, which was big for me because my old man wasn't around. So to see that just kind of kicked me in the guts even as a little kid. So yeah. everything he does and everything I've seen from there, can't ruin it. It was the younglings' fault, calling it now. <laughs> uh, for and you... this podcast just got dark. <laughs> Real dark. Uh, for you, Teeny. Well, <laughs> uh, teeny wise uh, I'm the Discord admin. You've probably seen me floating around, jumping into a bunch of channels. The outage is not my fault, everybody. It's Corey's fault. No. <laughs> um, yes. I've uh, got a few things coming up. The trivia still. I'm still building the trivia off in the background. You probably saw that the Discord went through a bit of an upgrade, so it's now at a level one. So we've got more emojis. Avatar emojis are coming for everyone who's an Avatar fan. You're all out there. Um, so plenty going on, but that's me. 
Hey, Adam, That's can great. we get some Legends of Korra um, emojis coming up? <laughs> I will put that on my list. <laughs> I'm just saying, coming out with um, it's coming out on Netflix. Like what next week? Come on, man, match it up. I think Aussie Netflix yeah. already has it. <laughs> wow, look at that! Said, behind, Y'all are 13 hours Aussie ahead. Yeah. <laughs> said 13 hours ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, stop living in the past. <laughs> uh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I will. I will go ahead and plug on Wednesday nights. We do the Utenia Assembly, and Heather on our mm. team leads that. Um, sometimes in the evenings, the time is kind of flexible, and as people are available to join. But there's a lot of Avatar love that gets revealed in there. So it's it's a really cool thing that I did want to plug. As far as me, my name is Timothy. I live in Knoxville, Tennessee at the moment. I have been a Star Wars fan for as long as I can possibly remember. Two distinct memories that I have growing up with Star Wars were playing the Rogue Squadron Nintendo 64 game with my grandfather. We used to wear that thing out. It was always super difficult. And for like a five, six-year-old, it was it was just a lot of fun. You know, we had a bunch of collections of the VHS tapes and I remember absolutely wearing those out too. And then when the Phantom Menace came out in theaters, I was finally getting to see star Wars live on screen for the first time um, on this giant, you know, theater projection. And I remember at the end of it, I loved the movie so much. I mean, I loved little Anakin. I tried for weeks to get my mom to let me legally change my name to Anakin. I'm so sad <laughs> that it didn't end up working out, but I tried. But then I remember getting the Pod Racer game, which recently, you know, got reported to the Nintendo Switch. And yeah, we just, I don't know, I've always loved Star Wars. Um, and especially here in the last couple of years, um, I've gotten really into the books going back to, uh, I probably jumped in around 2017, but now I'm getting the, the chance to dig into Legends and, and loving all the different stories. It's been so great. As far as Utini, I am the new Patreon manager for the team. So for those of you that are patrons, we've got some changes coming down the pike here in the next couple of weeks. We've got um, some changes coming to the tiers specifically, looking at some free merch and some behind the scenes access and some opportunities to be a little bit more involved in what we do. And so really pumped about that. And then for those of you that aren't patrons, now is really a great time to jump on the bandwagon. Our lowest tier to begin with will start out at $5. And then from that point on, depending on the things that you're interested in, what your budget can handle and and how you'd like to support us, there's a lot of things you can look into. So definitely check that out. Um, All the major changes will really start around September 1st. So um, I'll be reaching out with some more info about that soon. So I'm going to walk you guys through the show format. Each month, what we're going to do is we're going to select one book to go through chapter by chapter. Um, We'll take the total number of chapters in the book, divide that number by how many Saturdays are in the month, and come up with a reading plan for each week. Um, Adam will be managing the week-to-week channels based on the chapters there in Discord. Our books will be decided by our hosts. So myself, Adam, and Patrick will each come up with a book. The Discord community, y'all will come up with one. And then the patrons are going to work together with us to actually land on a book that we'll actually do. Um, We'll announce September's book closer towards the end of the month. Really stoked to get to that. So the book that is kind of the most commented in emojis as far as the community works, um, y'all can throw out some book ideas towards the end of the month. We'll go through and calculate um, which books seem to be the most popular from you all after the three of us each choose an individual book. And we'll throw up a Patreon poll, and then the patrons will decide from there what we do. So each week, um, we're going to do an overarching summary of the chapters that I'm going to read. Um, and then we'll talk about characters, some big events, maybe a handful of Easter eggs that we'll probably save the majority of those for the end of the book. 
and maybe some connections to the larger expanded universe as a whole. So hopefully that makes sense. If not, just buckle up and we'll experience the fun ride together. The introduction of the book, um, Adam, we are reading Revenge of the Sith, which is probably one of the greatest books of all time, written by Matthew Stover. Adam, have you read this one before or listened to it? What's your experience with this book? Yeah, I listened to it, uh, I think it was maybe late last year, after hearing the boys talk about it. I really love it on the Living Force, the main show. So I basically put my book down that I was reading that I've completely forgotten what it was at the time and started Uh listening to Revenge of the Sith and glad I did it. It is just so good. It's an absolute game changer for sure. Patrick, what about you? Have you read or listened to this before? It had been some years, good like seven, eight years before. And I'm with Adam. It's, It's a reason why it's in the Foundational Five and it's so highly rated by everybody. It's one of those that adds so much depth to everything. It just mm-hmm. puts your it puts your jaw on the floor. Yeah, for sure. For me, I've I, I went through and I tried to catch up with everything in canon, which is next to an impossibility at this point because we have so many new books coming out every month. Um, but I finally caught up closer to the end of Chris or closer to Christmas last year, and then I started reading the novelizations, and I felt like the novelizations I wanted to be my gateway into Legends. And then Revenge of the Sith was the last legends book i guess last novelization that i read and i finished it on christmas morning and what a gift it was indeed so it was originally published in 2005 right around the time that revenge of the sith came out in theaters this was a a very different novelization compared to the rest of the film adaptations very unique in tone which if y'all have read it um, y'all definitely understand um, written by Matthew Stover. Matthew has written a couple of other books in the Star Wars universe. He's also written many other fiction things, but he wrote um, Traitor from the New Jedi Order series and Shatterpoint, which is a Clone Wars novel primarily featuring Mace Windu, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and we get a little tease of that towards the middle of this book, uh, middle ends of this book. Timeline-wise, it's set um, 19 years before the Battle of, of Yavin. And unsuspectingly to me, I didn't realize that this is kind of the barbecue. Um, I'm in East Tennessee, so bear with me here. This is like the barbecue in the middle of a delightful, unofficial trilogy barbecue sandwich. James Lucino, who is known in the Star Wars universe for all of his incredible works, he wrote both a prequel and a sequel to this book. He wrote Labyrinth of Evil, and the sequel is Dark Lord, The Rise of Darth Vader. So it's a really cool unofficial trilogy. I actually have both of the other books, but I have not read them yet. So maybe if I can, you know, get my stuff together and finish these chapter sections, you know, not on Saturday morning before we podcast, I might try and knock out those other books um, in the meantime, just to see how well they connect. So if any of my knowledge is a little bit uh, gapped, that is primarily why. This book is, as Adam kind of mentioned, it's one of our foundational five at Utini. It's a 9.9 out of 10, which is near perfect. And we've, got, we've gotten some community members that have actually rated it um, on our book profiles. So if that's something you want to do, definitely check that out. But our, our community has given it a 5 out of 5, which is absolutely incredible. So I've talked a bunch. I'm going to talk a little bit more because now we're going to get into the heavy summaries So here we go. Um, I am going to give a spoiler disclaimer. Everything that we talk about from here on is going to get pretty spoiler heavy. So if you haven't read the book and you plan to do so soon, just 
know the continue at your own risk. Um, you can pause this, you can leave the chat, do whatever you need to do. Or if you want to just listen and find out how much you're missing, that's totally fine too, but just be prepared. I'm going to do something that we probably won't do every time just because this is such a good opening page. If it's all right, Adam and Patrick with you all, I want to read this first page before we get the introduction. Is that cool with you? Please do. Give everyone chills down their spine. Because, oh my gosh. So bear with me. Read it slowly. Yes, I will. (laughs) With with a lot of emphasis and gravitas, you know, like like Count Dooku himself. And then read it again. (laughs) And the force. And then I'm going to read it again. Yeah. (laughs) All right. This story happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It is already over. Nothing can be done to change it. It is a story of love and loss, brotherhood and betrayal, courage and sacrifice, and the death of dreams. It is a story of the blurred line between our best and our worst. It is the story of the end of an age. A strange thing about stories, though this all happened so long ago and so far away that words cannot describe the time or the distance, it is also happening right now, right here. It is happening as you read these words. This is how 25 millennia came to a close. Corruption and treachery have crushed a thousand years of peace. This is not just the end of a republic. Night is falling on civilization itself. This is the twilight of the Jedi. The end starts now. Holy cow, what an opening to a book. I've got so many goosebumps, I've turned into a giant goosebump. (laughs) You were just one. Can you say gut punch (laughs) yes oh my gosh absolutely phenomenal so right after this we jump into the introduction called the age of heroes the coruscant sky is ablaze with a fierce battle Um, the separatist destroyed armies battling with the republic forces in an effort to invade the very heart of the republic the supreme chancellor is missing we find out from those within the, the republic he's a man of immense integrity and the sole reason the republic stands general grievous the alleged mastermind of the Confederacy and a monstrous abomination to some has captured him. The adults are fearful, but the younglings are not because Anakin and Obi-Wan will be there any minute. Lucky and deliberate, they've won before and they're going to win again. The two of them are enough. And though this is the end of the age of heroes, it has saved its best for last. We flash to Anakin and Obi-Wan in chapter one, arriving to the battle with no real safe place to fly. They're surrounded by particle bolts absolutely everywhere. Obi-Wan tries to banter with Anakin, but the war has really worn him down. The droid fighters are getting smarter, and it's harder to evade them now. Obi-Wan, who's a phenomenal pilot, an expert negotiator, Jedi Master, and High Council member, he still feels like a Padawan and in over his head all the time. In training Anakin, who's basically a mini Qui-Gon, he's learned to loosen up a bit. He's respected and loved, and in short, he's the ultimate Jedi. Anakin, on the other hand, absolutely loved chaos. He becomes one with anything he's flying and forgets the traumas, the heartaches, and the love of his life. He's a hero because of this, and he's trying to save the life of someone who's a father figure to him, Chancellor Palpatine. He gives himself to the battle and relaxes. The most powerful Jedi of all time, the hero with no fear. But he does dread things, and that dread is cold and dragon-like. It sneaks up every now and then and tries to consume him. Being the best, in the end, just may not be good enough for him. Together, Anakin and Obi-Wan are closer than friends, closer than brothers. They've grown into men fighting a war for the last 13 years. Name any Jedi and they're going to pale in comparison to Anakin and Obi-Wan. Which one is better? Who would win in a battle between them? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. They would never fight each other. They're a team. 
cue heartbreak if you've seen the film. The space battle wrecks their ships as they become destabilized. They fly into the hangar of General Grievous's ship. Once aboard, Anakin can feel Count Dooku's presence. Uh, he sees this strange vision, basically a reality of Dooku on his knees with lightsabers crossed at his throat. And we flash to Dooku speaking with Grievous about driving the Jedi toward him. We learn that this is all a trap for our heroes. Dooku, Darth Tyrannus, or the Count of Sereno is the very personification of shock and awe, cape and all. He used to be one of the most respected and powerful Jedi, but is now among the Lost 20, who are former Jedi whose needs the Orders couldn't quite satisfy. He's the icon of the Separatist movement and the counter to Chancellor Palpatine of the Republic. He doesn't feel love, hate, joy, anger. He feels weird iterations of those, like jealousy and intolerance and spite and pride. He doesn't care about other beings. He only cares about their values to his causes, their assets and threats in his mind. We find that Dooku and Sidious are talking about their plans, um, which is basically kill Obi-Wan, be captured by Anakin, and watch him break. Try to lead Anakin to lead this great new Sith Empire, basically. Dooku becomes emotional at the brilliance of this plan and prepares for the Jedi to arrive. And then that's when he calls Darth Sidious Chancellor. And I think this is the first time that we realized that Darth Sidious and Chancellor Palpatine are the exact same person, which was a really cool scene to read. Chapter three um, is titled The Way of the Sith. Anakin and Obi-Wan arrive to try to save the Chancellor. Anakin's absolutely ready to end the war. Obi-Wan is concerned and reaffirms Anakin. Um, he feels the pure, uncomplicated love between them that feels like a promise from the Force itself. When they arrive to rescue Palpatine, he is truly, truly frightened. It's the way that he looks. That manipulation is just crazy. Um, Dooku was a cold presence. He became the center of the universe through the dark side. Um, in the Force, he can see Kenobi, which is a really cool picture. He can see Kenobi, who's basically a luminous, transparent being, a window onto a sunlit meadow of the Force. And then he sees Anakin, who is a storm cloud, flickering with dangerous lightning. Then he looks at Palpatine, who's darkness beyond darkness, a black hole of the force, it reads. After some playful bantering, they all three get into a fight. Dooku is calculating how they fight. You get this really cool, long, drawn-out scene, uh, much longer than what we get in the film, of Dooku calculating how everyone is, is fighting and what forms they're using. Um, and then he realizes everybody's faking it, um, and they're all misleading each other about how to gain the upper hand. And we get the infamous words that he's got a bad feeling about this. He eventually takes out Obi-Wan, who ends up unconscious. Anakin begins to wear him down as he's just filled and filled with rage. He feels that Anakin is basically half a Sith already with all the emotion that's been put in. Palpatine, out of nowhere, decides to interject and urges Anakin to give in to his rage and kill Dooku. Um, and then shocked, Dooku remembers that treachery is the way of the Sith. With Sidious's words in chapter four, he basically gives Anakin the permission to give into his rage and kill Dooku. Dooku realizes he's been a tool this whole time. Upon Insidious's game, he exists solely to die by Anakin's hands. Anakin kills him, but he feels like he was somebody else, somebody different. He wanted it, so he did it, but now he's a war criminal. Palpatine ends up urging Anakin to leave, but he has to save Obi-Wan, who's been knocked unconscious. The gravity in the ship is all out of whack, and the elevator shaft that they got up to the room in is now pretty much a hallway. In Chapter 5, we get introduced to General Grievous in a whole new way. He used to be an alien, but now he's mostly Durasteel. 
he used to have feelings and friends and family, but now he just has purpose and that's it. He's built to intimidate, dominate, and eradicate, we learn. In chapter six, which is our closing chapter, as everyone attempts to flee the ship, Anakin remembers that R2 is on board. We get this beautiful scene where he remembers the droid swap, basically, that he and Padme had whenever they got married. R2 reconnects with them, and then they all get captured. Boys, what an opening to a novel. I got to tell you. Patrick, what are your thoughts? Having listened to all that, having read it, tell me where you are right now. I must say, with this opening and how much depth it was given, especially when you think of uh, the long terms of the film as well, because mm-hmm. when I was reading it, I also had like the film playing out in my head mm. uh, while I'm reading it. And so I must say it made Anakin so much more relatable. Yeah, you really get into his head a lot better, right? You really understand it makes all the decisions that he makes in the film and throughout, honestly, the whole trilogy make a lot more sense. Like when they're fleshing out his whole idea of fear of failure, that's so relatable. That's so, it hits you home because I feel like most of us have had that problem at one point or another. Yeah, 100%. Adam, you know, one of the things that it talks about when we get to Anakin's kind of point of view is he flashes back to all these traumas that he's experienced in his life, right? Like with um, losing his mom, he was he was too late to get there. He doesn't want to be late again. He remembers the slaughtering of the, the sand people. Kind of get into that a little bit. Being the Anakin stand that you are, what, what were your thoughts and feelings in all this? Just as, as Pat said, just the, the feelings and his memories of his slavery and his and Watto, even when they're talking about C-3PO. And uh, I think he brought up his failure with his mother and, and, the, and the Tusken Raiders at least twice as he was going through a ship or, or trying to access the ship. In a battlefield, he's having these thoughts. And yeah, it just puts so much gravitas on the film for me and in him as a character. He is... Like every human being, he, he has flaws, doesn't he? And like you said, Pat, is everyone is flawed in their own way. And it just shows that even this hero of the galaxy, as the Hollow Net calls him, has his flaws. And this during this whole battle of Coruscant, we see them just they just keep trickling in. His fear, his anger. We see what's good about Anakin, we also see what's great about Anakin. I love I love the scene with Padme and C three PO and R two. I loved at the end that he just would not leave the ship without R2. That was it. I will put the Supreme Chancellor's life at risk for my astronaut. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so for me, I yes. just, this whole this whole six-chapter block was just amazing for Anakin fans. And that was one of the things, you know, we talked about a little bit, you know, unofficially when we were going through Ahsoka is for me how crazy it is that R2 is, you know, kind of like that little puppy dog, right? Like he's he's your best friend. Um, and just, it's, it's wild to me how emotional I get, I think, kind of reading about the relationship with the droid, you know, of just how special that little thing has been there. And the way that Anakin has, has, and we get with C-3PO as well, you know, he's made a lot of enhancements to both R2 and, uh, and, and 3PO. Um, in the opening couple of, I guess it was the introduction, you know, with the giant space battle, you know, R2 is up there with his buzzsaw going, you know, toe-to-toe with a buzz droid. Um, just absolutely just wrecking. And he's got perfect 
um, you know, perfect shots when trying to clear out all the droid ships that are surrounding Obi-Wan. And it's really cool to see the, the goodness of Anakin, I guess, come out in something so innocent like that. And just the, the way that they've kind of gathered their own humanity innocence is, is really kind of interesting to see. These scenes, you know, the best part about the Star Wars Expanded Universe is that it really does expand the universe. And just in this first six chapters, we get completely different scenes, brand new scenes that weren't seen in the movie, or we get way extended versions of them. Patrick, what were your thoughts on the Dooku Sidious conversation? That was very interesting to me. I just want to hear what you have to say about it. It gives you, a honestly, a weird admiration for Dooku. Well, for me, at least. I uh-huh. always thought of, he's he's such a cunning and intelligent man. Cunning, and especially in more cunning for a Sith. But at the same time, you never see him as angry, like this hateful, rageful, vengeful being that you read about as the Sith are in other extended and expanded universe novelizations. Like you think back to some of the old Republic novels or you think back like New Jedi Order novels and you see the dark side antagonists and those, these are they're like these hateful, vengeful, rageful things. And Dooku's just this gentleman who just happens mm-hmm. to use the dark side in my mind. Also yeah. such, they're so racist or xenophobic, however you want to put it. It's it's like, oh God. It was a very blatant, just kind of the way that he talks about, you know, the empire that he's going to control is a human empire. You know, we don't need the Nemoidians or we don't need any of these lesser beings. Um, that, was, that was pretty strong. Oh, yeah. And it honestly, it really comes back to how George Lucas, when he creates the original trilogy and envisions the empire, he modeled them after pretty much the Third Reich as something of a genocidal regime. And um, yeah, he's it's coming full circle. That's really what he's showing us here. Yeah, it, it was very striking to me to get into the minds of the both of them. I mean, more you get it from Dooku's perspective as they're kind of talking through this plan. But yeah, to see this elegant and polished and, you know, Battlefront 2 pajama wearing Dark Lord, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> that, I love that scene, by the way. And from the Clone Wars when he's just chilling in his pajamas, sorry. But, you know, to get this cultured person to be so uncivilized towards anything that he considers lesser than, you know, we get his brief character profile with how he just even loves to... He, he finds it humorous how people, if you just talk a little bit more smart, you know, if you just talk a little bit more intelligently, then lesser beings will find you to be incredible. And he has that conversation with Grievous on the ship. I'm like, this is, this is a messed up dude to, to just kind of be that way, you know? Um, you on top of Wilder? Me, what's that? As someone who used to be a Jedi, whose viewpoints were to serve and save every type of being in the galaxy it's wild how far he's come 360 in the back of his mind with this stuff for sure like he was one of the best one of the most respected of all of them and then he leaves because it wasn't enough like i don't understand what did you think about those little those little segments adam yeah i was a big fan of the dooku segment uh, but especially like you made a great point there about bringing up the the right but we also see it now in the modern age of, mm-hmm. of this high-class white man thinking that he's better than everyone. 
Yeah. And if I talk a certain way, everyone will think I am better. So uh, we see it. Mm-hmm. We see it all the time, and and to see him realize that his beliefs and his attitudes and his just yeah, they just get thrown back at him. Like Sidious used his beliefs, his attitudes, his values against him in the end. Even yeah, though to Sidious probably set him up. <laughs> yeah, even though Sidious probably believes in many of them anyway, but Dooku was so blinded by what he thinks, he didn't see what was coming. I do want to talk about the the dragon that Anakin feels within. Patrick, what were your thoughts about kind of listening to, to how the inner monologue of him really wrestling with this thing that was trying to consume him? Did you kind of think anything strongly about that? Yeah, no, it was a very emotional roller coaster because you, you realize this kid, well, he's not a kid, he's what, 23, 24 years old at this point. He's dragging this trauma throughout his life with him. And if you want to be realistic, Anakin's life is completely messed up. For most of his life, it is completely messed up. And you see, even though stuff is starting to go better for him, like he feels the war's end is in sight, he he's married to the woman that he finds as the love of his life. And he's one of the greatest Jedi of all time. It's still he he still hasn't had a way to really heal from all the pain that's happened to him, especially like when it's flashing back to his mother, how he was not strong enough, he was not quick enough, he was he was not able to save her. Mm-hmm. And how that fear of failure has bottled up, as you said, into a dragon. And for all my Kotor players, I saw where I last remember a crate dragon on Tatooine. So that's the I guess what he was referring to. And this giant, you can think of this giant, almost Komodo dragon with horns, just <laughs> inside sitting at you, just feeding on his his fear, his rage. And every mission he's on, him and Obi-Wan, he's afraid, what if something happens to him? What if I can't save everybody? What if I couldn't stop? What if I can stop the killing of the Chancellor? Also, looking at the last season of Clone Wars, how much does that... um the fallout of Ahsoka and the Jedi Order carry into this as well. You know, that's that's one of the cool things that I think we we get access to now looking back on this book, which, you know, came out in 2005. We've gotten some some really cool things. I mean, we've gotten the season seven of The Clone Wars, which we got to see another side of, um, of, of how that happened, the ending of Order 66, of all of that, Anakin kind of being disappointed. Yeah, there's this weight of when he's flying around and he's lost some of this sense of, of what's going on with him. He is probably thinking about Ahsoka off there, you know, chasing Maul um, and running around and trying to, you know, free Mandalore. And he's lost his best friend, arguably. I mean, he's got Obi-Wan, but like that's a different relationship and Ahsoka is his Padawan. I mean, they've grown, grown closer than just the Padawan master relationship, I think. And he's definitely feeling that hurt and loss. The dude's been through a bunch. And then to be called out and to know that this, you know, his father figure, I guess is captured. Yeah. He's, he's really struggling through some, bu- a bunch of stuff. But in addition to the clone wars season seven, we also got Dooku Jedi lost which if you haven't read or listened to it yet, really digs into Dooku leaving the Order. And it's a little bit different. 
you know, cause this, this is one of those weird books where it's like kind of canon, but kind of legends, you know, depending on what was in the film, but Dooku Jedi Lost, I think it's something that Patrick, you said about the, the dragon within that made me flash back to that book. There's this giant dragon on Sereno, basically, and this giant beast that lives underneath that Dooku has this connection with and kind of calls from the depths uh, towards the end of it. And that's something that just kind of triggered for me of how this dormant beast can lay kind of within and can consume you and absolutely wreak havoc on on everything in your life if you if you're not careful with it. Adam, have you read Dooku Jedi Lost by chance? Yeah, I have. I listened to it uh, just shortly after it came out. I completely agree. If you haven't given that a listen, it is a must. One of the last things that I kind of want to talk about is just the setup of this whole story, right? The way that it's presented narratively. We we get kind of this narration that's it's an epic, right? This is like an epic fantasy. It's a definitely not necessarily a one man show. It's a this very dramatic, very personal, and it kind of bob and weaves and kind of cuts in and out of main story and dialogue and plot to flashback. And this is who this person is, and this is who that person is, and this is what the galaxy is thinking on the hollow net. Adam, do you think this is one of the things that makes this book just the way that it's written so unique in its own right? Yeah, definitely. It's just when I even now thinking about the other novelizations of the other of the other films, this is it just went in a completely different direction. It's I look at it like it was written didn't have a film to copy. It just did its own mm. thing. And yeah. All these additions from the hollow net to what Dooku was thinking, what Anakin is thinking, what the galaxy as a whole is thinking is just yeah, just gets you, doesn't it? Yeah, the Hollow Net's one thing that I guess we we kind of see a little bit. And for me, not having read a whole bunch of legends, this really helped to draw out, oh yeah, like the rest of the galaxy probably does receive news updates every once in a while, at least, of what all's going on. That's one of the things that we never really see in the films and the television series, I think, is that kind of news publication type perspective. I thought that was really cool to see here. Patrick, your thoughts on it? I love I love seeing like that mass multimedia outlet that yeah, keeps the rest of the galaxy informed. And one of the best things about it that I picked up on was how it was controlled by like the chancellor's office. It's always going to be played up as Anakin and Obi-Wan are the best, mostly Anakin by the chancellor. That's a really cool thought. The kind of spin, I guess, that he can put on it for sure. And Adam, you know, I, I do have to wonder, do you think that every movie novel like, do you think that it should get this treatment? Um, I mean, I've read the other ones, and they're definitely a little lackluster compared to this. What do you think would be the response if we got another thing like this? Do you think it would go well? I think it would. I've read Solo and Rogue One, which were in their own way a little bit expanded. They were they were really good. I haven't read any of the other prequel novels, and I haven't read the sequel novels, so I can't can't speak to those. But I. I was just thinking about that because Revenge of the Sith, its storyline and what happens at the end and with some, you know, beloved characters, maybe it was special. Is That's what I'm trying. Like, I'm trying to decide whether or not because of that storyline, because of the characters, the ending of a trilogy, the building of another trilogy, perhaps 
it was its own little special project and maybe it maybe it should only get that that its own mm. its own fantasy epic knowing that you know with solo and rogue one we still expand on many things however nowhere right. near revenge of the sith level it's like i'm trying to decide whether i, I want to see it all all the time or if i just want to contain it to this masterpiece over here i i don't know if utini would have an official position on this but i do know that we only have five books that we can put in the foundational five so you know maybe we want to keep it special <laughs> and and do we, do just, i and if we did it like do we drag matthew stover back in over and over again <laughs> oh i think we have to i think we have to you know that's one of those things like i'm I'm kind of surprised that we haven't asked him you know as a community or as lucasfilm to write more books i know that trader and chatterpoint are a little bit mixed in reception i guess the two other ones that he's written in the Star Wars universe but this is such a hit i mean if you give him permission to just you know go crazy kind of like what anakin was looking for honestly <laughs> all he needed was palpatine to say go and you can do it if if Stover just needs someone to say go, write us more novelizations like this. Like let's let's do it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Give into it. Reading these six chapters um, again, like you know, I finished it not even you know eight nine months ago. I was completely enthralled when I read it the first time, but reading it again, I, I really remember how special this thing is. And we're gonna get a lot more in the chapters to come. Oh, Jared in the chat. Of course, we're talking about legends. Uh, he says he also wrote Luke Skywalker in the Shadows of Mendor, which I did not catch. So good call, dude. Um, Jared, our resident legends expert, who, while I'm talking about him, might as well plug Legends Look Back. We do have some really cool things happening in the works from uh, from that show. So stay tuned to your Patreon feeds and to um, announcements here in Discord and everything. But thanks for that, Jared. You know, and... Like I said, I read this, you know, about eight, nine months ago. I know that some other people, when they read it for the first time, it wasn't quite what they were expecting. Um, and I'm wondering if the just the style could turn people off. You know, I, I see that, you know, some people have had that experience. They've picked it up and they've put it back down and others, you know, obviously hail it as a favorite. What do you think could be the downside of this kind of style of novel. Patrick, you want to give that one a shot? The only downside to something of this caliber is the movie itself has to be of similar emotional impact. The one thing I think that really helps this jump out is Revenge of the Sith. I, I don't know about y'all, but I'm a softie and I tear up every time they go to move too far. Mm. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I sit there and get in my blanket and I just start sniffling. It happens because it's it's such heartbreak. It's such tragedy and it's such just a dramatic 360 for everyone's lives in the course of no time almost. And the gravitas of these people's actions is just that heavy. And when it's flushed out even more with such great writing and such such depth to match, that's something like this can only go along when the same is done with the film. That it correlates with that's interesting adam you have anything to add there yeah just going back to do i really only want this treatment with revenge of the sith like you've heard, like you said patrick there's so much going on in this film so many emotional parts of this film that you kind of need fleshed out a little bit i think it'd be hard to emulate that in other films and maybe that's why this book is so well received and perhaps why it's not with certain other individuals or groups yeah, I, th I think you bring up an interesting point. 
or you brought up an interesting point earlier when you talked about how this was kind of an ending of the story and to get those final moments with these characters for the last time on screen or in, in, in novel form, it's going to be a, a definite difference. It's going to make an impact when you've kind of been along for the ride this whole time. I know that with the rise of Skywalker novelization, when it came out, you know, it definitely, there were, there was so much to pack into that final film that yeah having a, a stover flare on this which i absolutely loved the novelization for the rise of skywalker let me go on record and say that i thought it was a really cool expansion of of that story and really helped to fill in some gaps but i think if it had had a, a stover flare maybe that could have helped get into the minds a bit of our characters some as we bring this to a close i do want to ask adam what was your favorite moment of the set of chapters that we read um, anything in particular stick out to you? All of Anakin's monologues and thought processes, <laughs> naturally. But in terms of in terms of the scene itself, probably when both he and Obi Wan are in their starfighters during the Battle of Coruscant, I absolutely mm-hmm. love that scene. I think it's probably the best opening in Star Wars of any any film, any film ever. I'm calling it. I love it. Um, so just reading about that and seeing it turn from ten minutes into like an hour, it was just perfect for me yeah the the spectacle of that space battle is just something to behold to be able to spend more time with it is is truly incredible patrick how about you what you have favorite moments i'm with adam i do love the banter and the monologues of anakin and obi-wan when they're in their starfighters and like i said i was playing this whole thing out in my head while listening to it in audiobook form so mm-hmm. that man that visual that visual at yep. the beginning of Revenge of the Sith when they come over to the Starfighter and you just see the massive war zone below them. It's like, oh my gosh. I'm with Adam. It it might be one of the best uh, openers in a movie in the last 40 years. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> throw in, throw <laughs> yeah, in John they, Williams' score, the drums at the start. Oh, just perfect. Yeah, they are in it for sure. I, I definitely recommend, if you don't, um, I recommend listening to the Revenge of the Sith soundtrack while you read this. It is it is a whole nother level of insanity to this story. It, it definitely makes it pack a punch. For me, I, yeah, I think my favorite moments are the the more intimate moments in the character development. You know, just being able to to kind of sit with Obi-Wan and Anakin as they think through their thoughts about life about each other about the the things that are special to them even though they shouldn't have attachments all of those character defining character building moments um, we get fleshed out in the clone wars and we get you know kind of seen you know the bantering in the you know the first two films but but really to to get to spend more time with that and to see how much they truly mean to each other i think it it impacts whenever you read through it it impacts the way that you view the films again um, and you view the Clone Wars again, and even you know Rebels, getting to watch Ahsoka and Anakin's relationship, getting to see you know his inner inner thoughts, really impacts the way that you read the rest of Star Wars. I think, and it's why they are legends. Why the legends of Anakin and Obi Wan will far surpass any other living Jedi. I, Adam, what you got? Yeah, I was going to quickly say it's really important too because knowing that this came out before the Clone Wars, all these inner monologues by Dooku, Grievous, even Grievous talking about the stupidity of the B1 battle droid is... (laughs) Yep. So before, you know, 2008 when we got season one of the Clone Wars and the film, like this is all we had, really. 
You saw yeah, the, you saw you're this, absolutely you right. You saw the burgeoning of the conflict in Attack of the Clones and the end of the conflict in Revenge of the Sith, but this is the first time we really got to experience it. And we did get, you know, a brief little moment um, talking about Grievous and how he's mostly Durasteel now. And, you know, he used, he used to be an alien and he's got, you know, lungs and eyes and a heart that's kind of pumping from his former body. I, I can't think of it off the top of my head right now, but there is a comic that gets into um, a new canon comic that's come out within the last several months that gets into his character and what he was before a bit. If anybody knows what it is off the top of their heads, feel free to put it into the chapters chat. If not, I will go and find it and I will post a link or a picture or something. Patrick, do you have a, a thought or a link to that? I know what he was beforehand. Yes. He was Kalish. Mm, that then does got, sound bad. I think he I'm was Kalish and then was blown up in a blown up in a shuttle that um that actually was conspired by Count Dooku. So he could um, frame the Jedi because he was a warlord. Yes, nice. that is that is right. I completely forgot about that. Nice. Good job, man. See, this is why we keep you around. <laughs> you know things. Hey, I said, Corey, you either fire me when the unemployment money's still good, or you um, or you just let me stay on. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Jared, Jared does mention in the chat coming in strong again too. He thinks it could have been one of the age of one shots that released too. So. We'll we'll go back and and see where we can find that. We'll make sure to to post some post some links here. But guys, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you to everyone in our chat for joining us. We were so glad to have you, and we were following along as you were kind of mentioning things that stuck out to you and the ways that you've experienced this book. Feel free next week as we talk about chapter seven through eleven of this novel. Please be sure to go in and, and add your thoughts throughout the week. We want to include you in the conversation for sure. In the meantime, you can find me, Timothy, on Twitter and Discord. I am at TheyCallMeT13. Adam is at DarkStarAU on both of those sites. And Patrick is on Discord at Mac11. If you want to jump into the book club and help support the show, look up this book on utini.com. Click the Amazon link in the profile. We'll get a few cents to help keep the lights on. We'll put a link for this week's book as well as our next book, which, can I have a drum roll, please? About our next book. Our next book is going to be Bloodline. So make sure you go and pick that up as soon as you can. It is a phenomenal canon novel featuring Leia, and it is one of the best piece of works, I think, in the new canon, for sure. And we've got it rated fairly high on Utini's website. So definitely go in and check that out. We'll put both links to Revenge of the Sith and Bloodline in the show notes um, in your podcast player. If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash Utini or pick up some sweet new merch at utini.com forward slash merch. Jose on our team has come up with some phenomenal things recently and you definitely don't want to miss that. A special thank you to Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command Patreon tier and Cheryl Bell, Alec Householder, Drew Iberondo, and Patrick Ortiz on our Jedi High Council tier for their amazing support. Also, I saw that Brea in the chat and her husband recently became patrons as well. So thank you guys for that. And last, but certainly not least, thank you to Adam and Patrick for podcasting with me today. You guys are the absolute best. I enjoy doing this. I'm so glad that we get to do this for many, many months to come. So thank you all. May the force be with you guys. 